0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast all about libraries, school libraries. It's for anybody who works with youth in libraries or enjoys reading or enjoys doing activities around reading. Hopefully, you will find these ideas useful. Last episode, I talked about library induction ideas for new students and existing students. Today, I'm just going to, I guess, expand on that a bit and talk about. Different activities I've done in the past that have been popular in the library. Hopefully, quick uh, ones that don't break the bank and ones that are fun and engaging for the students. So, first one I want to talk about is this amazing series. And everything I talk about, I'll put links to in the in my blog uh, where I where I post the the, the podcast. Uh, There's this amazing series by an author, an American author named Lauren Tarshis, and it's called I Survived. The books are historical fiction. They all take place during actual historical events and often include characters or people who actually lived through the events. But it is a really amazing way to introduce students to different historical events and get them reading. The books are fairly short, really accessible. I really love them. And also there's a graphic novel series, which I've been using all the time in the library. The books all involve things like the Titanic, there's shark attacks, there's earthquakes, hurricanes, there's ones from hundreds of years ago, ones that are quite current. You can check out the I Survived series. I really use them a huge amount, especially with students who will claim to me or claim to teachers that they hate reading, you know, that they can't find anything interesting, etc. I really enjoy using them. And what I've done is... Hitch uh, the book, to, uh, the books, the I Survived series, especially the shark attack ones. They all know about Jaws. They all are fascinated with it for the most part. And this is, of course, a real story that inspired, I believe, inspired Peter Benchley. I'm, I'm an armchair. Jaws historian here, I love the film, but I believe this inspired Benchley to write the novel and, of course, the film that was massive. So this was a shark that ended up in some very small body of water on the East Coast of the United States. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just such a bizarre story. Uh, Over 100 years ago, and, and caused havoc and panic. And the graphic novel... That I've got, I've got the graphic novel and the actual, you know, the I Survived book, and they, they are never on the shelf. It's it gets them hooked in, uh, for lack of a better term, no pun intended. To promote this program, I get students to think about a real historical event. I have to get them to pretend they've been, they've been sucked back into time, into some kind of event where they have to survive a historical, a disaster. Okay. okay and then I will I'll cover all kinds of different ones that the books cover, even ones that, that the books don't cover. I give them a four, uh, I give them half an hour. Or so this sometimes takes, this took two or three library lessons. I can't remember how many now. The students were on the computers and using responsible researching skills, which I'm going to go over. I'm not going to use this podcast today to talk about all that, but I'm going to, in the future, have a responsible researching-based podcast. Uh, using those skills, the students are looking up accurate information about their chosen historical topic. I did not do this in groups, but of course you could do whatever you want, whatever works best for your class. And then once they've gathered enough information, I've given each student or group a four-panel comic book sheet empty comic book sheet with four empty panels and I want them to create their own I survived comic strip using their new knowledge now groups are probably a good idea in this case I didn't do groups thinking about it now that maybe I should have done groups because you may not have students who are confident illustrators and I didn't make that the number one priority yes it was a comic book strip but i told the groups that if you'd rather do more text than illustration don't panic because what i was looking for was that they've created this interesting uh information or this interesting section of you know slice of history how did they survive make it thrilling i showed them the panels in the in the actual comic books the actual graphic novels i read from the books made it try to make it as you know as, as intense as possible and the students did an amazing job and I gave prizes to the ones who had the, the, the coolest ideas or had done these really engaging panels and again I didn't base it 100% on artistic ability uh, because it was there were some students who I kind of gauged each class so I tried to give little prizes out to each class and see. You know which students were really engaging and putting the effort in, and that—that's how I kind of judge the prizes. But uh, you can do whatever you want. But it was a really great uh, atmosphere in the library, talking about these different historical events. It combined, you know, some public speaking as they as they stood up and kind of presented theirs at the end. It combined, of course, responsible researching. They the the books were really popular. And were borrowed heavily, especially the the graphic novels. I would have them out on display. I made a, I made a big display. I displayed the students' artwork at the end. It was a nice competition. You can gauge it however you want, you know. And I think in the United States there was a there was a formal kind of scholastic competition where you mailed them in. There was huge prizes, but. Here, that wasn't applicable to the UK, so I just did my own in-house, which was fine. And I think uh, I had the students, so I have student library assistants, which again will be another podcast about how they, you know, what they do in the library. But they helped judge them on the, you know, I of course had students from different year groups judging judging the the artwork. But they literally love to go through and judge. So that was one thing we uh, we did. So this next one is really simple, really quick, but I really enjoyed it and it got students discussing their their books that they're currently reading. And I like to do that. I like to see what they're currently reading, what and what's going on. So in this one, I get the students to silently read, which I do. they do in the library lessons. They do a little bit of silent re- reading and then we do researching or doing these types of activities. So I have a 55 minute lesson. So again, you have to gauge it to your, your lessons. And this is for ages 11, End up. So after ten, fifteen minutes of silent reading, I just get the whole group to stop, and then get the group to say uh, to tell. Each other, what they would experience if they were suddenly transported to the world of their book. Now, this is based on a great series that we've got called Pages and Co. We've got it in the library, I should say, by Anna James. And I've done this activity in many different ways over the over the past. But uh, the book is very popular. The whole series is really popular, and you can see Anna discussing this kind of activity herself on um, a site called Authorfy. A U T H Orfy, I'll put links again in in the website. And you Authify is an amazing site, which I can I could spend all podcasts talking about. But you can see that you have to sign up, but it's all free and tons of great material on there. But so they they t- what would happen? They they aren't a character in the book. They are themselves. They're in their school uniform. They've just been in the library reading. All of a sudden, they're in the world of their book. They're suddenly at the page they've just stopped at. What would they see? Would they hear? What would they smell? Would they be in danger? Would they take part in the action or conversation? or Would they jump and hide behind something to stay out of the way? On and on. I would get them to discuss this with students sitting at their tables for three or four minutes maybe. And then they would share with the group. And then, of course, I would do um, the book talk on pages and co, explaining the series and the magical abilities that Tilly has on that. Um, Then I would ask students to write down what they've come up with and give them 20 minutes or so to do so. Maybe that's a bit much, but 15 or so. I would get them to submit this. Experience on our book review cards, which again I can discuss on another, another podcast. But we we let students write book reviews on these on these specific sheets because they're all in their specific houses, and this would count towards this house reading challenge that we have as well. Even if they've discussed in groups, I want them all to do their own individually. And again, you could re- reward the best book wanderings, is what we call it, or what Anna James calls it. I don't want to steal her her catchphrase, not catchphrase, but her her her, her slogan. Um, the best book wanderer would get us some kind of prize. Okay? It doesn't need to be anything huge, but if you had something, that would be great. Again, you could make this as big a competition or as small, quiet library lesson as you wanted. This We did this in kind of anticipation a few years ago of Anna James visiting the library, but again, you can do it in any time. But these might just help with kind of transitioning into the library. Yeah, it could be even a part of a library induction. It could just be a way to introduce this amazing series and get students maybe who are new to the school to introduce themselves to you and to the students around them. So that was a really fun one that I um, thoroughly enjoyed doing. Okay, another one that I really enjoy is called Hello Dragons, which is just Dragon's Den but with books. It's a Dragon's Den game where students have two minutes or whatever time you decide to set to, quote-unquote, pitch their books to the rest of the class or their table if they don't want to stand up in front of large groups. I do have a couple of examples before the program starts just to get the uh, you know the ball rolling. You can have the students vote on their favorite. Students can do this in groups. Again, if you want to I have done it in the past where I've given them more time to come up with the idea in groups and they have to do a bit of a a bit more in-depth presentation on the novel this is where it's tricky because you may have one student who really wants to do a specific novel, and the other students haven't read it. So therefore, it's, it's better if they do it on their own if they want to. Uh, they could pitch sitting down quietly at their own table if they aren't happy standing up. But it is a great experience for some to come and pitch their books and discuss. And you can do this, again, as low-key as you want. I have done it where it's just like students at tables doing this, you know, discussing or even writing down their pitch if they really are uh, shy. And I'm not forcing anyone to speak out loud or be, you know – in front of a group not everybody likes doing that but uh it is a lot of fun and it, it also can create a little element of competition if we are if you do include the, the judging aspect okay who did the best pitch which which book so the the dragons are the students you know which which book is going to be uh the dragon's choice maybe top three or something like that and it, it is a lot of fun and the 11 and 12 year old students we we have at the school seem to really enjoy it another what i have done that is I haven't done in maybe a year or two, but I will probably pick it up this year. Is book postcards, which is extremely simple. Postcards are a thing that uh, you know we're kind of even going out when I was a kid, and I and I consider myself pretty old now. <laughs> um, you'd be I was again. I talked last libra- uh, last podcast about. How you take things for granted, and I, and I, when I first did this, I took took it for granted. The students, yeah, you know, they know what postcards are. Of course, they know how to use them, but they may not know how to, you know, where to write on them, how they worked, or what they were used for, and how popular and how almost essential they were in some regards. So, to you know, to get into contact with people that when you were away on holiday or, or gone somewhere else. So. The postcards were originally donated to me. They were these beautiful, penguin. I think Penguin Books has a, a box of ones. And then I had, uh, some. somebody donated this, another one that was like comic book, old comic book covers. So they loved using them. They have these beautiful illustrations on them. You can use whatever you want. You can find any kind of postcard. It's really simple. The students write a book review on the back and I use that as like an alternative to book logs or whatever. They can write a postcard on the back and then I have gone on social media in the past and asked other librarians if they want to connect and and I I have mailed our, uh, our postcards out to them. And they have subsequently mailed theirs to us. And we made a display of them. It was really nice. And we were introduced to new books. And they hopefully were introduced to new books. And we've done this with the United States as well. kind of sh- A book postcard sharing program where we are sharing book reviews and and the love of reading it's pretty simple but again it's this kind of a a great little program that the students enjoy doing and it gets them talking they can kind of discuss their favorite their postcards with the others and they like to look at the displays and see what others have read the other one i've done is blackboard paper which is really cheapish i mean you can get a big roll of it on uh for about nine pounds i think And I just get, so we also have these blackboard, I I think they're window chalk markers, and I don't know how much they are right now off the top of my head, but they work well on the blackboard paper. Now, blackboard paper is sticky, it doesn't stick to all surfaces. In my experience, it has peeled off of windows without leaving any marks. It has peeled off of walls without leaving any marks, but I don't want to get... (laughs) <laughs> anyone saying, hey, I put it on and it tore the, the paint off, it has not done that to anything I have put it on. It does not f- stick well to kind of concrete pillars, which I have tried. and doesn't stick well at all. I just f- had this big roll of blackboard paper. I wrote on it, a world without books would be what? And had the students write their Answers and it was really fun again getting them to discuss why reading is important, why you know the kinds of books they like, seeing all of their answers, and having this big roll of blackboard tape put on the windows that we had on the wall was really easy and interesting for me. I enjoy I enjoy seeing students artwork you know you can call it that or input of course and seeing it on display i I don't want everything in there to be something that i've made or someone else has made i want the students it kind of gives them ownership you know in a very small way this place belongs to you look here's your here is your idea your opinions matter this is it bang you know you can put whatever you want and it works really well so blackboard paper (laughs) uh another one is Combined reading, uh, book reviews, using the postcards in some examples, and getting staff involved around the school. Now, I'm going to do another podcast which is all about getting staff involved, which I've done on different podcasts and different articles and things like that. But this is one that was easy to do. Uh, the postcards, we had extra postcards. So I had the book club write book reviews again on these postcards and just stick them in the books, kind of sticking out of the of the books that they reviewed. So the books had to be in. That was the only thing. That, okay, I want you guys to write book reviews of a book you've read and enjoyed, but the book has to be in the library at this moment. And then I transported them to the staff room and put a pen and, and paper kind of checkout system on it. And then I had one of the students, one of our older students who were in the book club come to uh, one of our briefings. This was pre-COVID, but we have done it. They can do it on we we know if you're going to do it on Teams or Zoom or whatever. But the student came into the staff room and pitched it. It, it did she did an amazing job uh, promoting this thing. Look, these books are here for you. We know you don't have time to come to the library every day. We brought the library to you. It was hugely Popular. The teachers loved it. They were really interested in what the students had reviewed, and it was just a really a lot of fun. And it was again, it was so popular that I had to get the book club again to write new ones and, and restock it. So I would uh, really, really recommend a staff room pop up library. And that will be it for the podcast. Almost twenty minutes have gone by before. I end. I'm going to do is what I will do every uh, podcast is recommend a book. I've got this comic book that I I uh, think is absolutely hilarious. It is called Gorbra, the Mightiest Chef in the Universe by James States. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. I, I would say this is great for ages nine, eight, nine, and up. I don't know how to describe it. It is surreal, strange, hilarious. Gorbra is a barbarian chef. And he's determined to make you a good cook and to make you an awesome meal. He will burst through your wall like the Kool-Aid man if you are having culinary troubles. And he also gets involved in this intergalactic cook-off with these really strange creatures. I don't know how to subscribe it. It is surreal, silly, hilarious, bizarre. Loved every page. So check out Gorbra, the mightiest chef in the universe. And that is it for the podcast. I will see you next time. Take care.